الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد الحمد لله by Allah Ta'ala's fadl we've reached this Mubarak fourth night of Ramadan Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us from his rahmah وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت وهاب Allah give us from his rahmah gift us from his rahmah indeed he's the bestower of gifts As a preface to the continuation of the uh, story and mention of uh, Khaja Najmuddin Kubra, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, wa Qaddasallahu Sirrahu, A'lallahu Darajatihi. It's important to point out that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gave three institutions for the tarbiyah of a human being. The first institution is that of parentage. That a person's mother and father uh, are there to give physical tarbiyah to a person. That through the asbab, the seeming realm of causes and effects, a person's genetic material comes forth. That genetic material is fostered within the womb of the mother and sustained uh, through her uh, physiology through her care and her nurturing, through her love, and through the support of the father uh, when the father is there to uh, support her. And when that child is born, that child is born into a loving family to both father and mother. And that child is then raised and taken care of primarily uh, from the father and mother. The child will have both parents with them to learn how to walk and to learn how to talk, to take care of their Uh, not only their physical uh, needs in terms of food, clothing, shelter, uh, but also their uh, development, uh, their their physiological development, their mental development, uh, their development of speech, the ability to speak and to learn basic human adat uh, and uh, adab. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave two further Uh, institutions for the tarbiyah of a human being that are just as important. Uh, One is the ulama'i kiram. Uh, They're there in order to make islah of a person's qal, that a person should speak and outwardly comport properly. And they take a person from being illiterate uh, to learning alif, ba, ta, tha, and then in the mode and the method of the ulama, they teach the books of Nahu and Sarf, of Arabic syntax and of morphology, and then teach the books of Fiqh and the books of Lugha and the books of the various other funun and ulum one by one until a person knows the knowledge of deen and is oriented within the atlas of knowledge, uh, not just of this world, but... Uh, of that knowledge which was revealed on the Mubarak heart of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on that day that Allah Ta'ala sent down Iqra with Sayyidina Jibreel Alayhi Salaam which made the mountain into the Jabal Nur into a mountain of light and came down on Ghar Hira and changed the world forever that a person should also be illuminated by that light uh, as some part of that light that came down on the heart the Mubarak heart of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then after that, the islah of the qal, the islah of the, 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 the speech, so that you can talk the right talk. It happens from the ulama'i kiram, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. The islah of the hal, the, the rectification 
and the bringing together of the of the hal of the spiritual state of a person is done by the uh, the true inheritors of the sufiyah kiram may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them and raise their rank uh, so that a person can have inside of their heart all of those good traits that give the heart life rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his terminology and allah ta'ala in the terminology of his book they use the expressions of life and death. Just like a word may be common between two different languages, but may mean two very different things. Something very different in one language and something very different in another. Uh, just like that, the words life and death, they mean something to uh, you and I, and they mean something else to uh, Allah and His Rasul Wasallam, when they talk about them in a particular context. So a doctor might say, uh, well, uh, someone who's dead, uh, their heart no longer beats, their brain no longer functions, doesn't crank out waves anymore, and they uh, no longer are respiring, breathing, the cellular processes, at some point uh, they also stop and... Uh, the tissues of the body start to rot and to break apart and to uh, dissolve uh, into uh, into something else, uh, which after some time is unrecognizable as anything uh, like a human being. Uh, if a person is no longer able to get up, if you speak to them, they can no longer answer. Uh, if that person has no tomorrow to look forward to, we speak of this as a death. And Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when they talk about life and death in the context of this deen, in a particular context, they mean that the person who is living, as is mentioned in the Athar of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the person who's living is the person who remembers Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and the person who's dead is the person from whose heart that remembrance is completely gone. And so the Sufiyah Kiram, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve those who are their true inheritors and those who are doing their work and give us the tawfiq of meeting them before we die and getting our islah done by them uh, and benefiting from them uh, both in this world and the hereafter like the ulama'i kiram. The sufiya'i kiram, their whole uh, function within this ummah is to make islah of your hal. Islah of your hal, islah of your hal, the rectification of your inner state means what? That you should not be a person who has a physically living body, but a dead heart, a heart that is devoid of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, the mention of Allah and the praise of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And so they're the ones who give you the knowledge of those things that the heart needs in order to function, just like a car needs gas, a car needs oil, uh, a car needs air in the tires. There's a finite number of things which may seem overwhelming to a person who is not familiar with the function of a vehicle. There is a finite number of things that need to be taken care of, but they may seem overwhelming. But perhaps a mechanic who understands how the car works um, will be able to keep all of them in mind and to assess which thing uh, is uh, needed from those vital uh, vital things that allow the car to function, while at the same time knowing those things that can destroy the car, those things that can harm the car, those things that can rust its body, those things that can jam up and clog up the engine, those things that can uh, 
impeded uh, from 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 functioning those things that can puncture the tires etc etc just like that the sufiya kiram are the ones who not only have the theoretical knowledge of uh, those akhlaq uh, hamida those good traits and good qualities that give life to the heart like the fear of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, like the constant returning to him in toba in repentance like the trust in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like the love of good like tawadhu and humility uh, etc and also on top of that they not only have the theoretical knowledge of those things that destroy the heart like the love of leadership yes the love of leadership everybody wants to be president nobody wants to be a worker everybody wants to be a general nobody wants to be a soldier everybody wants to be a shot caller but nobody knows how to dribble the ball um, this results in failure uh, in the ummah on so many levels so the sufiya kiram also know these these detrimental and awful, often fatal conditions um, that that are the diseases of the heart like the love of leadership like arrogance thinking that you're better than others uh, like uh, uh, envy uh, like uh, hatred uh, uh, like a number of other things that might kill a salik a, a, a traveler toward allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only impede their progress but set them back uh, perhaps so far that they're not going to be able to make up for it and that may weaken their heart so much so that it may die a death. Um, that not only do they have the theoretical knowledge of these things, but they also have the practical knowledge of them in the same way that the mechanic knows how to fix a, a, a flat tire and knows how to uh, rebuild an engine or a re rebuild a transmission that no longer functions. They know how to fix the AC and they know how to fix the heater. They know how to make the car work. Sufiya kiram are the ones who make the islah of the hal of the uh, of the person. And all three of these, uh, all three of these elements need to be um, functional in order for a person to be functional. Yes, there are even people who receive the knowledge of this deen. And we live in an age in which the proliferation of knowledge has become easier uh, than it has been in the past. Although people's desire for knowledge uh, and their earnest and fervent uh, seeking of it may have dimmed, but there's a lot of compensation in this age uh, that is made through the proliferation of media, that you have the ability to hear the durus of great ulama uh, from the comfort of your own homes, the proliferation of books uh, and publishing, and the proliferation of a, a number of means that make seeking knowledge easier than it ever was before. But a person, their knowledge can be perfected. However, until the ego dies inside of their heart, that person uh, is just as much of a risk of dying inside of their heart and killing others. In fact, a much higher risk of killing others uh, uh, in their hearts um, than a person who doesn't, uh, who doesn't uh, have the sacred knowledge and doesn't carry the sacred knowledge with them. Uh, and so there is and there always was a need for the islah and rectification of the hal, of the internal condition of the people of the ummah, uh, including the ulama, just like there is a, a need 
for the uh, intellectual rectification and the rectification of the qal uh, of a person of this ummah. Just like it's unacceptable to have people walk around with master's degrees and PhDs and medical degrees and law degrees and these advanced forms of study, uh, but they don't know how to read the Quran properly and they've never read uh, from Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen until Min Al Jinnati Wan Nas and they don't know basic fiqh, they don't know basic aqidah, they don't know the basics of anything. Just like that's unacceptable and it should be clear that this is a cause uh, for great uh, uh, for, for great harm to the ummah because of people's ignorance, no matter how big their degrees are, just like that. People not giving time to their rectification, not expending energy for their rectification, not expending effort for their rectification, and not going to those people who themselves have had their rectification done and know the knowledge of this rectification and not going to those people in order to take treatment and in order to take prescriptions from them. Uh, this can cause a great problem because there are so many bid'at, reprehensible innovations. There are so many blameworthy states of the heart um, that a scholar can carry or a person of some knowledge, uh, even if they're just a scholar in their circle, meaning they may not be a scholar in the professional sense um, or in an absolute sense, but in their circle, they're the people who have the most knowledge. Sometimes those people are the most harmful of people that if they don't have the ego purged out of themselves, if they don't have the inad uh, purged out of themselves, inad is what the obstinance and the inability to submit uh, in front of uh, the, the, the divine writ and in front of the divine commandment. If they don't have that purged from inside of themselves, oftentimes those people are just as much of a danger as any ignoramus, if not more of a danger. And so I want you to appreciate this one thing about uh, people like Khaja Najmuddin Kubra, rahimahullah, that they talk the talk, meaning their hal was, their maqal was, was perfect that he's a faqih and he's a, a muhaddith um, and he traveled through Egypt and through all the different lands of Islam and seeking the hadith of the Prophet wasallam. and then he also walked the walk as we're going to uh, as we're going to read uh, very shortly uh, uh, that his, his hal was uh, of the highest degree and he did this also for his students he did this also for his students uh, and inshallah maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that uh, in a moment so we left off, the Dhahabi mentioned that the Tatars set upon Khurazm in Rabi'ul Awal of 618. And Najmuddin Kubra was amongst those who went out in jihad. They fought at the gates of the city until they were killed. May Allah be pleased with them. The Shaykh also was killed uh, while he was in his 80s, that he achieved the maqam of martyrdom in his 80s. The word Tatar, by the way, the Tatars are... It's the name of a clan of Mongols. So the word Tatar and Mongol is used interchangeably. Uh, and uh, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think one of the reasons that uh, this word is used, and sometimes people uh, will use the, uh, the word Tartar as well, um, that this is some sort of play on words uh, in order to somehow associate them with uh, the hordes of the underworld from Greek uh, mythology or something like that. But at any rate, um, the word Tatar, perhaps because this one clan was more known to the people in uh, west of Mongolia, uh, that these two words are interchangeable in the, uh, in the Persianate and uh, Arabic uh, tradition. Uh, so 
a little bit of historical background uh, of how it is that the Mongol hordes came to Khorazm, that when the heathen Mongol horde moved to enter the city uh, during the reign of Genghis Khan himself, and Muhammad Shah, the sovereign of Khorazm, had already abandoned his city and kingdom. Uh, the Sheikh Najmuddin called his disciples, who were not native to the city, and told them to go back to their homelands. Um, Kamaluddin Saghnaqi, uh, and uh, I, I believe it's Saghnaqi because the source I took this quote from writes Safnaqi, but I can't find Safnaqi in any uh, um, in any of the tabaqat. Uh, but there's a Saghnaqi who wrote uh, a tabaqat of the Mashaykh of Central Asia. He related that uh, Khaja Najmuddin gathered over 60 of his disciples who were not from Khorazm. And he said to them, get up and leave. Go back to your homes, for indeed a fire has come out from the east, and it will soon burn the west. It is a great tribulation, the likes of which has not been seen in the Ummah. Some of them said, uh, if you called out to God, perhaps you would spare the Muslim uh, lands of this tribulation. Uh, Khaja Najmuddin responded, this is the decree from God Most High, and a decision that will not be repelled, nor will supplications be a benefit in this matter. Uh, obviously the supplications of a Muslim are always of benefit but some of them they won't do anything for you in this world rather they'll be waiting for you as a reward in the hereafter the people said to the Sheikh Molana, we have riding beasts for conveyance and you can ride with us and leave the city this very hour he said to them no rather I will uh, be killed here I have not received permission from Allah to leave so prepare for your exodus um, and so uh, this is the uh, the propriety of the sheikh that he was not a coward nor would he uh, flee from the scene of battle uh, that the people the responsibility of defending Khorazm was on the people of Khorazm and he uh, uh, told those who that responsibility did not fall upon uh, uh, immediately f uh, he told them to leave but he himself refused to uh, abandon or flee uh, from the battlefield which is one of the cardinal virtues of the companions anhum, in our aslaf and it's actually considered a great sin to f uh, flee uh, uh, to flee from the, the scene of battle for those who are obliged to uh, stand firm and uh, there's a lot that can be said about this but uh, so little time and so a little bit of background that the the, the Khorazm Shah actually uh, the Mongols had sent a, a delegation to trade uh, in Khorazm and because of court intrigue between different fractions of the the, the court of Muhammad Shah um, they basically one faction had uh, that uh, uh, group of Mongol traders killed uh, treacherously uh, in order to frame or set up the other faction. And uh, Genghis Khan uh, then sent uh, an embassy to uh, the Muhammad Shah, uh, the, the Shah of Khorazm, uh, in order to ask, why were my people killed for no reason? And uh, in arrogance, uh, because the Mongols were unknown people at this time. Uh, and they were not people who were really all that well-respected. Uh, he he. Not only did he not uh, entertain uh, uh, that you know the legitimate uh, request uh, f to know why what happened happened from this uh, embassy, but uh, he took the unfortunate further step uh, of uh, despicably having this embassy killed as well. 
uh, and you don't kill ambassadors. This is just a treachery. You don't kill ambassadors. You don't kill messengers. Rasulullah if he didn't kill the messengers that carried the message of Musaylamatul Kadhab, uh, nobody afterward, the false prophet, nobody else afterward has the right to uh, kill a, a, a messenger or an ambassador. And so after this, uh, the Mongols, uh, Genghis Khan, they decided that uh, we need to teach uh, the Khorazmians a lesson, uh, which is sadly and very tragically that lesson was taught and uh, the occasion for it. We have nobody to blame but ourselves uh, for that. And uh, um, what happens? Is, what happened was that uh, the Mongol hordes, uh, who, who were unified in a way they weren't unified before, uh, under the command of Genghis Khan, they showed up um, uh, in the Khorazmian lands, and Muhammad Shah uh, actually, um, on the field of battle, something happened to him. Uh, he was filled with fear, and he fled uh, instead of giving a fight. And this demoralized the entire uh, army, and uh, they were not able to give organized resistance. And in fact, a pious and brave man from his sons, uh, uh, Prince Jalaluddin, uh, he actually will um, have a, a small group of loyal soldiers that will harass and fight against the Mongols for quite some time. And it takes them quite, quite, quite some time to overwhelm them and dispatch them. Uh, given uh, the very small band of people that he was commanding, uh, which is another story uh, for another time. But uh, 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 this talk that, that uh, Khaja Najmuddin is having with his, uh, with his murids is after uh, Muhammad Shah, the, 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 the king of Khorazm, had basically abandoned his people and fled from the scene of battle. Uh, and so he uh, he said that I will be killed right here and I have not received permission from Allah Ta'ala to leave. So you people from out of town prepare for your exodus. Once they had left and the Mongol horde had entered the city, the Shaykh and his remaining companions called out the prayer is gathering. A salatu jami'ah, which is uh, from the corpus of hadith, if people will remember. It is uh, what was called out when the Rasul ﷺ wanted to gather people into the masjid, but it wasn't one of the times of the five prayers, meaning it wasn't appropriate to give the adhan. When the people had gathered, he said, stand up in the name of God and let us wage battle in the path of Allah. He then entered his, own, and he entered his home and emerged donning the khirqa with which he was vested by his sheikh. He tightened his belt and filled his pockets with stones and went out with a javelin with a spear in his hand. And he fought until he had lost a javelin and hurled all of his stones at the enemy. As the arrows of the Mongols rained down on him, uh, it said that he was in an ecstatic state as if dancing and repeated some verses in his native language, the meaning of which was, if you kill me in union or separation, I'm no longer concerned with either as your love is enough for me. Meaning whatever happens, happens. As long as you're pleased with me, ya Allah, that's sufficient. While he was in this state, an arrow struck him in the chest. He pulled it out and threw it in the air. With his wound now flowing profusely, he passed from this world as a shaheed. May Allah Ta'ala accept it from him uh, and his companions and all those who gave their lives so that God's word may be supreme. Uh, his tariqah would see people repent and take up the path of righteousness across the region. Uh, Mullah Jami in his Nafahatul Uns uh, has a rather lengthy entry on Sheikh Najmuddin. So hitherto, uh, 
the information I mentioned about the Sheikh were, was from the Arabic sources. I have to thank uh, uh, Sheikh Sabahuddin from Istanbul, uh, who, mashallah, is a local ustad of the ulum, both in Arabic and in Persian. Uh, when I discussed with him that I was writing this paper about uh, Khaja Najmuddin, uh, he, he he told me that you have to go look in the Nafahatul uh, Uns of uh, Mullah Jami uh, for the Persian uh, biographical entry about him. And it's really interesting that, that the Persian uh, biographical materials and the Arabic biographical materials on the same person, they seem to be interested in different things. So Dhabi is more interested in uh, academic achievements and uh, political matters, matters regarding war and things like that. Whereas in the Nafahatul Uns, there's a number of anecdotes of the daily life of the Sheikh and a number of uh, statements attributed to him with regards to his, uh, his knowledge and his uh, preceptorship on the spiritual path. And between the two of them, you, you kind of get a, a more complete picture. So he says, Mullah Jami has a, a, in his Nafahatul Uns a rather lengthy entry on Sheikh Najmuddin in which he n- mentioned a number of anecdotes about his life, his karamat, his miracles and his martyrdom, uh, as well as naming his prominent authorized successors uh, uh, from amongst his disciples. So Mullah Jami says that Hazrat Sheikh, uh, uh, meaning Khaja Najmuddin, uh, Hazrat Sheikh had a great number of murids. He had a great number of disciples. And so again, you see that he's a, one of the kamilin, that he's somebody who himself, his hal and maqal are both uh, um, rectified and he was one who gave rectification. He gave people like Bakharzi and his other uh, great disciples, both an education in the sharia as well as a spiritual rectification. The, the Hazrat Shaykh had a great number of murids. As for a few from them, they were the extraordinary ones of the world and the leaders of their age. Uh, people like Sheikh Majduddin Baghdadi, Sheikh Saaduddin Hamuya, uh, Baba Kamal Al-Jundi, Sheikh Radiuddin Ali Lala, Sheikh Saifuddin Bakharzi, who was mentioned from before, and Sheikh Najmuddin Al-Razi, uh, Sheikh Jamaluddin Al-Gayli. Uh, and some have also mentioned that Mawlana Bahauddin Walad, the father of Mawlana Jalaluddin Rumi, was from amongst them too. May Allah Ta'ala sanctify their spirits. So from uh, amongst his... Uh, uh, disciples that received Ijaza is the father of Mulana Rumi. And this is what uh, you know. I alluded to yesterday that Khaja Najmuddin is somebody who we have connection with because everybody or most people have heard of Mulana Jalaluddin Rumi, but they had no idea that his tariqa, one of the uh, branches uh, of Khaja Najmuddin's tariqa, goes through Mulana Jalaluddin Rumi. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, Khaja Bahauddin Walad was from amongst those uh, students that were told to go home when the Mongols were invading. And then he went uh, back to his home across on the southern part of the Oxus River and he served uh, uh, the, the ruler of Balkh, uh, uh, Balkh, which is uh, near the modern Afghan city of Mazar i Sharif. And and then because of jealousies from people and because of insolence from the ruler of Balkh, he's basically uh, forced out. He has to leave. And so then he takes his family uh, to the west um, and settles in the Seljuk capital of Konya, 
Konyai Sharif. Um, and after he leaves, the Mongols will also trash uh, Balkh as well, and it's never rebuilt properly, uh, uh, or at least according to anything uh, that matches its former glory. Uh, and so uh, Bahauddin Walad is from amongst them. So Mullah Jami mentions another glory of the martyrdom of Khaja Najmuddin. He says, they say at the time of martyrdom, he was holding the flag of the disbelievers, that he had actually captured the flag from a Mongol soldier, which is a great feat because the, the, the flag is usually held by an honor guard, by uh, special soldiers who are um, of extraordinary ability because they need to be able to fight without letting the flag fall. Letting the flag fall in battle is extreme dishonor. And so someone capturing the flag from the enemy is, is a, a, a glorious feat of battle. It said that uh, at the time of martyrdom, he was holding the flag of the disbelievers. After his martyrdom, ten men could not pry it from the hands of the sheikh. Uh, uh, and uh, they finally had to let it go with him. It's also mentioned in one of the Persian sources that they actually uh, uh, actually cut off the hand of the sheikh because the hand would not let go of the uh, of the flag. May it be... Uh, may their mutilation be just another uh, honor and another rank Allah Ta'ala bestows upon him and his shahadat on the day of judgment. So Mullah Jami, uh, he mentions then that Mullah Narumi dedicates an entire ghazal uh, in the Diwan Shams Tabriz to his nisbah, uh, to the mashaykh, in which he also makes reference to Sheikh Najmuddin uh, Al-Kubra. He paid homage to this deed of the sheikh in the following line, he says, Bayaki dust me may khalis iman no shand. Bayaki dust dagre parchame kafir girand. That uh, with one hand, uh, they, they were the people who drank the pure wine of faith. Um, uh, and with another, they seize the uh, flag from the disbelievers. And this particular feat of seizing the flag from the disbelievers from the Mashaykh of the, uh, the Silsila Mubaraka is a reference to Khaja Najmuddin. And uh, again, I, I, have, I can't thank uh, the Sheikh enough, uh, Sheikh Khaja uh, uh, Sabahuddin from Istanbul enough for bringing this to my attention because if he didn't point out the entry in uh, um, the entry in the Nafahatul Uns this huge thing about the sheikh would have passed me by and I would have just put out the paper without it. Um, I have heard my sheikh say in the Fis Shah, rahimahullah ta'ala, may he be drowned in Allah's mercy and elevated in rank, mentioned several times that the Kubrawiya tariqah carried Islam extensively through many places and played a, a special role in the conversion of the people of Kashmir as well as the, uh, uh, the rest of the Indian subcontinent. Uh, it is perhaps this nisbah that has dyed them in the color of steadfast resistance despite what is now centuries of continuous hostile occupation by disbelievers. Um, the history of Kashmir is uh, one of great vulm and a very onerous occupation uh, one after the other on the, uh, the Muslims of that place. That the majority of the, the inhabitants of the valley are Muslims and uh, Allah Ta'ala has tested them with uh, just merciless and uh, cruel uh, occupiers one after the other. And uh, perhaps it's because of the, uh, the sheikh and the jalal of his, uh, of his state and the greatness of his sacrifice that we see that Kashmiri people are tough people. Uh, I had the fortune of having a number of Kashmiri students study with me in the 
uh, in the Ihsan Academy. I'm talking about actual people from actual Kashmir, not the people who, uh, you know, come to America or even move to Pakistan, etc. Uh, many of them are great people as well, but I'm saying that the people from actual Kashmir, they have a toughness in them, uh, uh, and it's connected with their deen. Indeed, Mawlana Abdul Hayy al-Hassani, the father of uh, uh, Mawlana Sayyid Abdul Hassan Ali al-Nadwi, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions in his Arabic biographical dictionary of the notable scholars and spiritual leaders of the Indian subcontinent, Nuzhat al-Khawatir, uh, three great sheikhs of Kashmir that belong to the initiatic chain of the Kubrawiya order. Sheikh Hilaluddin Kashmiri who uh, passes away in 862, Sheikh Yaqub bin Hassan al-Kashmiri who passes away in uh, 1003, both in Hijra, uh, who also had uh, uh, the two distinctions of being from the students of Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Haytami in Makkah Mukarramah. May Allah Ta'ala uh, guard her and raise her honor. Uh, and uh, a teacher of Mujaddid al-Thani. Uh, Sheikh Ahmed Sarhindi, that he was he was both a student of Hafiz ibn Hajar and uh, Haytami, the Shafi'i Faqih, uh, uh, and uh, also a teacher of Mujaddid Al Thani, Sheikh Ahmed Sarhindi, a uh, great Sheikh of the Naqshbandiyah, uh, who inshallah will receive uh, separate treatment inshallah one of these nights. Then finally, he mentions uh, Sheikh Tayyib bin Ahmad uh, 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 al-Rafiqi al-Kashmiri, who passes away in 1266 Hijra, whom Mulana Abdul Hay uh, describes as having separated himself from the people in order to dedicate himself to fasting by day and standing by prayer and night all while uh, engaging uh, uh, in the teaching of fiqh and hadith, that all he did was teach, uh, and other than that, he separated himself uh, for his ibadat. From amongst his great disciples is uh, the aforementioned Sheikh Saifuddin Bakharzi. Inshallah, we'll say a little bit about him tomorrow, inshallah, more than uh, what we've already mentioned. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala give us tawfiq that our hearts, when hearing about these great people, these great mashayikh, that they develop some sort of connection with them, some sort of nisbah of love. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala give us the tawfiq that the few days that we have left in our lives uh, that are slipping through our fingers like a person trying to grasp uh, a handful of ashes um, that uh, on a windy day uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to make ourselves present uh, in the uh, in the presence of the ulama so we can learn what is it in the Quran what do these words mean that are ya'lamuna uh, ta'lamuna passing like uh, water under a bridge when we go to salat al-taraweeh what do these things mean uh, Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to understand uh, the sharia uh, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the aqaid of Islam uh, the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the tafsir of the Quran and like that Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to make ourselves present uh, and receive islah uh, at the hands of the Sufiya Kiram and their true successors uh, those people who carry the hal of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or some part of it uh, and Allah Ta'ala has used them to preserve it until the day of judgment وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته